You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. said to them, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your minds? You're accusing me of something and you're wrong. It's not blasphemy because you need to believe who I am. If you don't believe me based on what I say, believe the miracles. But they had this heart problem regarding Jesus. And it doesn't matter how much truth and evidence of the truth flies before them unless their heart is changed doesn't matter what he says. doesn't matter what he does. The rejection Jesus experienced at the hands of the Pharisees and religious elite arose out of evil, prideful hearts. As Pastor Danny will explain in today's message, as long as your heart is focused on serving self, it doesn't matter what miracles or blessings Jesus pours out on you, you won't see him for who he is. You have to come to a point where you realize how destructive your sinful heart is and that the only way to fix it is to surrender it completely to God in repentance. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Mark, chapter 6, as he continues his message, A Heart Problem. ask a question, you better want to know the truth. Here it comes. He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, and now he quotes Isaiah, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. It'd be no different than today. You got a regular church attender. If you were to ask them point blank, even though they don't necessarily uh, go around, you know, proclaiming this, but if you ask them and you put them on the spot, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. And they tell you what kind of Christian they are. Well, I'm, I'm a Baptist. Um, well, I've been Calvary Chapel, whatever it is. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. One of the biggest problems we have in our world, in America especially, is that people are religious. They attend church. They identify themselves as Christian, then they define what it is. Well, I'm Baptist or whatever. And, and, they, and, they, and they practice religion. They're attending churches regularly, at least Christmas and Easter. They're going to make sure they get those in, you know. But here, they're doing all kinds of stuff. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. And then he says, verse 8, you've let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. You're just caught up in religion. And he said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And if anyone curses his father or mother, he must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father or mother, well, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me, mom, dad, uh, that's korban. It means it's a gift devoted to God. Now, don't misunderstand what's happening here in the culture. 
and in the day. What these religious leaders were doing for their own benefit, they were saying, God comes first and the offerings at the temple. But they were doing it out of greed, trying to stuff their own coffers for their own personal gain. Jesus, in Luke 16, made it clear that these religious leaders loved money. Now, it's not a contradiction to say honor God through whatever entity he's used to give, and it's the local church in the New Testament, but also honor your father and mother. It's not a contradiction. What they were doing, they were to stuff their own pockets, saying, well, I understand, you know, God comes first. And they were getting people to give so much to the temple and to them. That was the whole issue of the money changers and why Jesus overturned the money changers' tables because of the greed going on at the temple. Then you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you've handed down. And you do many things like that. I guess at this point, they're, they're sorry they asked him the question. And again, Jesus called the crowd to him and he said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. That was radical. He's throwing this truth in the face of their religious practices. After he left the crowd, entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. And then he says to his disciples, are you so dull? You don't get it either. Don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean? The idea is, it doesn't matter how much religious stuff you do with your hands, how clean your hands are, how clean your body is physically, how many baths you take, does nothing for you spiritually. And in regard to true holiness, you say, my mother taught me that cleanliness is next to godliness. Well, just as hard as it was for him to, them to hear what Jesus said, your mother was wrong. That doesn't mean go be a slob. God's a God of order, and God doesn't like stinky people, I think. That's why he gave us you know, the ability to take baths and showers and, and deodorant, and he gave women makeup and things like that. It's just wonderful what he's provided for us. Back to the text. You can't get more straightforward and practical than this, verse 19. For it doesn't go into his heart. Nothing outside can make a man unclean. For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach, and then out of his body. And you just can't get more clear than that. You eat it. Your body takes whatever it will sustain your physical life, and then, and then you flush it. In saying this, in saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean. Now, for those of you that just got that, you know, and you really appreciate it, I know the emotion is rising up and you want to stand up and shout hallelujah, but hold it for just a minute, will you? And here's what I put in my notes. Now, hold the emotion just for a moment. Can I get anybody that loves pork chops or bacon or lobster. Hold it, hold it, hold it back. Just a minute. I had lobster Friday night, double lobster, Jamaican lobster. It was $40, but man, praise the Lord, it was good. 
or any food that wasn't kosher under the Old Testament law, but now under the New Testament, and that's what Jesus is bringing to light here, can anybody that appreciates any of these foods that you couldn't eat under the Old Testament law, but can't eat now, can I get a hearty? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I mean it from the depth of my stomach and my taste buds. But now, now look at what just happened. It was bad enough. It was bad enough that the issue was over the tradition of the elders in terms of the ceremonial washing of the hands before they would have a meal. But now, now, now it flies in the face of Old Testament law. This crowd had grown up, not only with the traditions that didn't reflect truth, but they had grown up with the proper system for the time and the purpose that God ordained it, the Old Testament law, and if you're a good Jew, and most of them were, you only eat kosher, right? And so what Jesus says here, and the truth he's, he's bringing in here, this was difficult for even his disciples. Even years later, after the cross, after the resurrection, after 40 days of speaking of the kingdom of God among his disciples, even men like Peter had a hard time with this truth. Acts chapter 10, sheet let down from heaven, all kind of unclean animals. And the Lord spoke to Peter, get up, kill and eat. No, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. A second time the sheet comes down. A third time the sheet comes down. Why? Because he's so dull. It's a hard thing. Can you imagine growing up in a religious culture and a culture that in the Old Testament system of the law of Moses, you know because God said, here's the law, and your dietary law is you can't eat this, and you can't eat that, and you can't eat that. And now Jesus comes along and says, not only is the tradition taboo now, but I'll tell you something else. The whole time you were trying to be kosher, and you were kosher, please understand, I'm trying to teach you something from a physical aspect that has spiritual underpinnings, that the reality is that never eating bacon did you no good spiritually unless you understand I was trying to teach you a spiritual lesson. And then he brings it right, right home. Verse 20, he went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. Pause. That means there's nothing, nothing outwardly anybody can do that really makes a significant difference. No religious practice. No religious tradition. You can attend church until your butt print is in, your butt print is in that chair. Do you no good if your heart has never changed? Do you no good? What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. For from within, out of men's hearts, come, I'm going to go slowly here. Please pay attention. This is not an exhaustive list, but it is a good list. From the heart, come, and let's take them one at a time. From the heart, come, first, evil thoughts, 
evil thoughts. Two Greek words translated into two English words, evil thoughts. The first evil means wrong, wicked, injurious, destructive. In other words, if you're thinking evil, you're thinking wrongly, it's leading you down the wrong path. Many of these same religious leaders that Jesus is talking to and these people that Jesus is talking to had evil thoughts. He would say sometimes, he would heal somebody. He healed the paralytic. After he said, your sins are forgiven, what did they think? That's blasphemy. That's an evil thought. And he even said to them, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your minds? You're accusing me of something and you're wrong. It's not blasphemy because you need to believe who I am. If you don't believe me based on what I say, believe the miracles. But they had this heart problem regarding Jesus. And it doesn't matter how much truth and evidence of the truth flies before them unless their heart is changed. It doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he does. Because they had evil thoughts about Jesus. The word thought in the Greek is the thinking of a person deliberating with himself, questioning what is true. And they came to the wrong conclusion of what is true. The second, out of men's hearts comes sexual immorality. And unless your heart is changed, no amount of self-discipline will do you any good. They can lock you in a closet. They can put you away. And you're all alone and away from the billboards and away from the computer and away from the, your cell phone and all that stuff. But if your heart is not changed, you still got an imagination. You got a problem. And everything you've ever th- seen and everything you've ever thought about, you now have a, you now have a mind. And you, and you have now, even though you're not involved with somebody physically, you still got a problem because your heart, your heart, that's the problem. It's the Greek word pornea. We get our word pornography. And it can mean unlawful sexual intercourse. In other words, you're involved sexually with somebody that's not biblically and legally your husband or wife. it's, It's a shame we live in a culture now. I have to really drive home biblically and legally. You're involved with somebody sexually that's not legally and biblically your husband or wife. You are living in sin. You're living in sin. And biblically, husband and wife. That's what, in our culture, I have to make sure we understand. Leviticus 20, 13. If a man lies with a woman as one lies with a, a man lies with a man as one lies with a woman, both of them have done what is detestable. I don't care what the culture says. I don't care what anybody says. There are moral foundations in the scriptures that will never change. And it will never change that it's a man and a woman, not a man and a man and not a woman and a woman. Never has been. Look And look, I, we ought to love the homosexual just like we love the heterosexual sinner. One's just a perversion, but they're both sin. By the way, have you ever thought about how's man gonna fulfill, be fruitful and multiply if everybody were homosexual? Doesn't make sense. Never was meant to make sense because it's not God's plan. It's not God's design. Not meant to be. And no, you and I were not born that way. I don't care how early it started. You were not born that way. And you got to fight that just like the heterosexuals got to fight the, the thing he's caught up in. If he's given over to sexual immorality, well, you're given over to sexual immorality, but it's a perversion. And you got to say no. And you got to receive Jesus. 
if you want to be free and if you want to be saved, because nobody lives like that, either heterosexual sinner or homosexual sinner. Bible says you can't live like that and be saved. You can't be a part of the kingdom and live like that. You might stumble, but you live like that habitually. You may be religious and you may believe in Jesus, but you are not saved according to this book. Sexual immorality, pornea, theft, theft. Acts 4, Peter said to Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back part of the money that you and your wife received? They stole the money, thieves. And the problem was their heart. And then murder. We don't really need to explain that one, do we? Just to understand that murder begins in the heart. You don't carry it out until it happens in the heart. And if your heart was different, you'd never commit the act. And then adultery. I circled sexual immorality, then I circled adultery because those are two different Greek words. First, pornelia, and this is a different uh, Greek word. And to be technical, adultery, now you're involved with somebody else's wife or somebody else's husband. Adultery. And Jesus really blew their minds in Matthew 5 when he said, you've heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Is anybody innocent now? And then greed. Greed is very simply a covetous desire to have more. Malice. Malice. Here's what it is. It's a disposition to injure others without cause. We Christians, we, we better be different. We better be different than some of our fellow Americans. From mere personal, a disposition to injure others without cause, from mere personal gratification, or from a spirit of revenge, to regard with extreme ill will. Because the Bible says, love your enemies. So we better be different. And that's all I have to say about that. And then deceit. Deceit. Deceit is what Judas did, the ultimate deceit. It means to mislead a person. And he came there and he kissed Jesus. And Jesus said, you betray the Son of Man, friend, with a kiss? It's misleading. And then lewdness. Lewdness just means looseness, but this is looseness with all capitals. One definition is irregular indulgence of animal desires. You read in the book of Leviticus about the pagan practices of the, the nations that, in, that were living in the promised land that God drove out because of their lewdness. One definition, and again, a regular indulgence of animal desires. You read some of those things and it's animalistic, pagan. Envy. Envy literally means an evil eye. And this is a little lengthy pain, uneasiness, mortification, or discontent excited by the sight of another's superiority or success. Accompanied with some degree of hatred. And in light of the election, this one's appropriate too. Or malignity. And often or usually with a desire or an effort to depreciate the person. And with the pleasure, pleasure in seeing them depreciated. If you want a simple definition, it goes like this. Feeling uneasiness at the superior condition and happiness of another. And by the way, Proverbs 24 warns us as Christians that if we have that kind of attitude about our enemies and those that are against us, etc., it says you better watch out because God says if that's your attitude, he may continue to bless them just to teach you a lesson. And then slander, the word is also translated blasphemy. It's a false tale or report maliciously uttered, tending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow friends or 
family or citizens. And then there's arrogance, pride, haughtiness. Who's the man? Now, you can say that jokingly, and I do it a lot of times jokingly, but listen, if that's your heart, you scored the touchdown, who gave you the ability to score that touchdown? Let me tell you something. He's the man that gave you the ability to be the man. Because next to him, you're the man. Amen? Amen? And we better never forget that. I'm speaking to me just as much as I'm speaking to you. I get a lot of compliments and honor because of the, quote, success of this church. I better never forget who I am. Because I'm nobody. Next to him. And the only body I am is because of him. And then the last one, not least, is folly. It means senselessness, recklessness. I couldn't help but think of Balaam. God confronted him because his way was a reckless one before the Lord. That's the message. Religion or relationship? And the difference is the heart. And where it starts is receiving Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it could be you're watching my live stream or you're here live with us, and that's your starting point. You're not even at the starting point yet. And the starting point is you need to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. It means you've got to turn from going your way and receive Christ. And I'm assuming the majority of us have done that at some point. Some need to do it right now. But for those of us that have, listen, victory over sin starts with receiving Christ as Lord and Savior and continues with daily yielding my heart to him and asking him to change me, responding to his word and saying, oh God, change me. Because you can't save yourself and you can't change yourself. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. Only the Spirit of God can do that. Paul the Apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians, When I came to you, I came not with persuasive and wise words, so that your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on the Spirit's power. Second Chronicles, Jehoshaphat is leading Israel. A vast allied army is against them, and they pray, and then Jehoshaphat has the worship team start and says, let's just worship. And while they worshiped, the Lord sent ambushes against the enemy, and it says that vast army, the enemy was defeated. It's not my delivery that changes hearts. It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And listen, he will never change my heart or your heart against our will. He won't do that. But if you need to receive Christ as Lord and Savior, you do so right now. You're willing to turn from going your way. And if you say, oh God, forgive me. Oh dear Jesus, come into my life. He will right now. And he'll change your heart. And he'll save your soul. And that's great icing on the cake right there, bud. But I think I'm talking to mostly Christians. But they're Christians and you can commit any sin you committed before you were a Christian except the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You can get back in the same old lifestyle. You can get caught up in sexual sin. You can get an anger problem. You can have a hatred problem. You can have murder in your heart. Uh, you can be addicted to pornography, etc., etc., etc. Guess what? The only way to victory is confessing and begging him, Oh God, would you change my heart? Because unless your heart is changed, unless your heart is changed, you're going to go back to the same thing. Please don't go back to the same thing. 
Thanks for joining us today to study the book of Mark on the Living Word. You can check out more of Pastor Danny's teachings throughout the Bible at our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to stay up to date with the latest teachings and videos. Feel free to share them with your friends and family. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or would simply like to talk with us, please send us an email. Our address is info at ccfstpete.church. Again, that email address is info at ccfstpete.church. Be sure to let us know how we can be praying for you when you send that email. In addition to that, we'd love to meet you in person. So if you're in the St. Petersburg area, join us for our weekly services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. We're also live streaming our services for those who are at home or live further away. We look forward to worshiping with you. Find out more on our website. Once more, that's ccfstpete.church. Well, that's all the time we have for today. There's more to learn in the book of Mark. Pastor Danny will continue looking into this important gospel book right here on The Living Word.